Welcome to Twisted News, where we have some of the strangest true crime stories for you currently happening from around the world. Today, we have a strange case in Michigan where a woman lost control of herself while role playing and actually believed she was a murderous werewolf. In the second story, we'll try and learn what exactly happened to four men in Oklahoma who disappeared and were later on found dismembered. And after this episode, Go check out our other podcast called Every Town for tons more crazier stories. But for now, get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted News. Number 1. Werewolf Woman Some people enjoy role-playing. Personally, I'm not one of them, but hey, if you like dressing up in costumes to pretend you're something else, then have at it. However, sometimes, when people put on a mask or pretend they're something they're not, they can go a little too far and get too into character. And that's exactly what happened in this story. On September 17, 2019, at 1.23 in the morning, Oakland County Sheriff's deputies responded to a call from one of the residents of the Lake Village apartment located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. A couple of arguing women could be heard in the apartment located above the collar. When the deputies came to check on that apartment, they too heard noises of someone who seemed to be moaning and calling for help. However, no one opened the door for them, and they instead searched for another entryway and found an unlocked door and gained access into the house there. When they entered, they found two women in the master bedroom, one of whom was the female owner of the apartment whose name was never disclosed. She was 48 years old. The other person was identified as Allison Weaver, who was 44. Deputies said that upon finding them, both women were partially nude. The victim, who owned the place, was lying on the floor and Allison was down kneeling beside her. Both were dazed and bloodied, and upon closer inspection... The deputy said that the 48-year-old looked to be in a state of shock, while Allison looked like she was actually having a good time. During an interview later on, Allison told the police that she and the victim were role-playing, with the suspect as a werewolf and the victim as a vampire. She also added that the sex was consensual, but that turned out not to be the case. Apparently, the blood in the place belonged to the victim, which resulted from the surprise attack that Allison launched on her, particularly in biting off her ear. According to the victim, she had known Allison for about 12 years, and the two were former neighbors. Their respective daughters were friends, and she invited Allison to have drinks at her home, and so that's what they did. Later on in the evening, Allison made some sexual advances towards her, which she just brushed off. She detailed that Allison brought alcohol to her house and put that stuff down to hug her. Over that hug immediately turned into something else, as Allison instead went to try to kiss the victim with an open mouth. The victim said she refused these advances with a laugh, sort of brushing them off to avoid an awkward situation. Later on, the victim said she decided to go to bed. A little while later, she woke up to a horrifying sight. A nude Allison was on top of her, biting and strangling her. She then jumped off her bed, leaving Allison crouching on it. She described the look Allison was giving her as really scary. 
She also recalled asking her what she was doing, but Allison didn't respond and kept her predatory stance, with her head bobbing back and forth. And then, without warning, Allison lunged at the victim, and as they both fell onto the floor, started strangling her. The woman lost consciousness. Allison continued to violently rape, bite, and beat her. As the woman regained consciousness, she heard Allison whisper to her the words, You have to die. I'll do whatever you want, she recalled begging Allison, but the latter just laughed and said it was too late, and then proceeded to strangle her once again. Allison also bit the victim's ear, which of course drew blood. The homeowner would later describe Allison as literally consuming parts of her body. She had bite marks all over, even on her cheeks, breasts, and vagina. She even had permanent nerve damage because of these bites, and also noted that had the police not arrived as soon as they did, she believed she would have died at the hands of her seemingly deranged friend. The police report later detailed that some of the injuries sustained by the victim included a partially detached ear and several puncture wounds from fingernails and bruising around her arms and neck. Allison was charged with assault, particularly second-degree criminal sexual conduct, assault with intent to do great bodily harm, assault with intent to maim, and assault by strangulation. The district court issued a $75,000 bail, and recently, on October 12, 2022, entered the guilty plea deal and was then sentenced to 10 to 15 years in prison. Allison sought the apology of the victim in court, but grave damages had already been done. What happened to this victim could easily be described as a harrowing nightmare come to life. The fact that even after causing so much pain to the victim, Allison still believed in the role she was playing, a werewolf ready to devour her prey. Number two, four dismembered bodies found in Oklahoma. When you encounter stories of missing people, as we've learned here on this channel, these victims usually share something in common. Most of them are typically vulnerable and easy to overpower. However, this case is something different. Even the authorities found it unusual that this started with the disappearance of four physically able men that led to a horrifying end. Amulji, Oklahoma residents, 32-year-old Mark Chastain, 30-year-old Billy Chastain, 32-year-old Mike Sparks, and the youngest of the four, 29-year-old Alex Stevens, were close friends. And on the evening of October 9th, a Sunday, at about 8 p.m., all four of them left Billy's house on bicycles. However, when the four men didn't come back to their respective homes and calls to their cell phones went to voicemail, their families immediately reported them missing to the authorities. Mark's wife Jessica shared that she attempted to track her husband's phone. The location she got was a salvage yard that was located south of Okmulgee. However, the phone died, even though the battery still had about 28%. She also shared that on the evening of October 11th, their family attempted to search that specific part of the salvage yard where the location of Mark's phone was last shared, but they didn't find anything. The police investigation revealed that initially there were witnesses who shared with authorities 
that they had seen the men at certain times that Sunday. One of them claimed to have seen Alex on his own at around 4 p.m. at a smoke shop. It was later revealed that the group first went west of Okmulgee to visit a salvage yard and then made a stop at a gas station. After that, they went to another salvage yard, which was the same location Jessica got upon tracking down Mark's phone. Then on Friday, October 14th, authorities received a report about some suspicious items seen in the Deep Fork River, located in the same city. It was soon discovered to be the remains of multiple human beings. Shortly after, it was confirmed that these remains belonged to the four missing men. No other information was released regarding the cause of death, but authorities said that all four were gunned down. They also confirmed that the bodies were dismembered before eventually being thrown into the river. Investigators also revealed information shared by a witness who was invited to be part of the group. This led investigators to believe that the four men went around the area in an attempt to commit a crime. Somehow this information sort of ties up to another discovery they made. Authorities named the owner of two salvage yards, Joe Kennedy, as a person of interest because they were able to find evidence of something that happened violently on the properties. However, when they attempted to talk to him again on Saturday, October 15th, Joe, who could be suicidal, was nowhere to be found. For now, police are still investigating this case, especially because they still haven't found the men's bikes or the gun that was used to shoot them down. It seems like, as the more this case unfolds, the more baffling it becomes. What started as an unusual case of missing men has now turned into a murder investigation that's still shrouded in mystery. So there you go, guys. Those were two of the most terrifying cases that we have for you this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay tuned and check out some others. We've got new ones coming out every single week for you. And if you're interested in stories like these that are discussed more in-depth and are crazier, then check out our other podcast called Everytown. Links down in the description below. Follow us on social media for more content. And until next time, I'll see you soon. <laughs>